You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dhamini and you're listening to Gender Question. Here we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. Early in April, as the country entered its second week of lockdown on account of the coronavirus, a group of young men and schoolboys formed a chat group on Instagram called Boys Locker Room. The last time the words locker room talk became really famous was during the United States presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2016. In the run up to the elections, uh, the Washington Post had just published a 2005 recording of Trump. I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just like, I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the. P- <laughs> I can do anything. You called what you said locker room banter. You described kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. You bragged that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. Earlier this week, two young women shared screenshots of the boys' locker room group chat, which revealed the kind of conversations that were taking place. There were references to women's genitals. images were taken from girls instagram feeds without their permission or consent and were shared in the group the group's main objective seemed to be to discuss girls sexual desirability um or the perceived lack of it this brings to mind another digital website that sought to measure women's desirability called facemash As far back as 2003, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg developed a website in which, put simply, users could put up photos of two women for others to rate them on attractiveness. When asked about this during a congressional hearing over data privacy in 2018, Zuckerberg called it, and I quote, a prank website made when he was a sophomore. Locker room talk by definition is meant to be a conversation between boys in a locker room and there is a sense of permissiveness that this term carries we hear the same permissiveness in phrases like you know boys will be boys so let's put a pin on this right here in our culture which is not a culture of consent but in fact one of entitlement what does such permissiveness indicate it shows that when it comes to the sexuality of young adults our responses are biased sexist banter and non-consensual sharing of images is not boys being boys it's sexist banter and non-consensual sharing of digital versions of people's selves you see instagram is not just a site for sharing of images we we can't relate to websites or social media sites in that manner anymore and our experiences tell us this It's a site in fact that's an extension of selves of the users. It is as immediate to the users irrespective of what age, caste, class, gender they may come from. It is as immediate to them as their offline selves. 
we reached out to Bishaka Datta at busy.dot on Twitter uh, to understand this a little bit more. Bishaka, in fact, runs a non-profit called Point of View in Bombay, and since 2013, she's been running its flagship program that builds capacities and knowledge around digital technologies. uh especially those that equip women girls non-binary people to inhabit digital spaces everything depends hmm. on how we think of the body today many of us who work on digital rights from a feminist perspective no longer think of the body as existing only in physical space hmm. so we think of the body today in the digital age actually as straddling both physical and digital space when we think about everything we do online hmm. whether it's being on social media adding a like on instagram you know following someone etc all these actions hmm. again involve very much like not just um, you know not just us like using our fingers and that kind of thing sure. but sort of sharing emotions sharing thoughts right like sharing very much things that are connected to our body right because the body is not just physical so this is not just about our own feeds wherever we go on line whatever space we are occupying we occupy it with our digital selves we've tried for too long to keep a distinction between the online and the offline perhaps out of a sense of nostalgia for the physical world but on closer scrutiny this simply does not bear out and acknowledging the online as a space that also merits conversations on consent on bias on prejudice on violence on romance on casteism and all the million things that we experience in the offline that's the first step to recognizing why this instagram group was not just a group of boys being boys i was talking to my 19 year old niece and asking her and she spends a lot of time on instagram much in much the same way that maybe uh, a decade ago i was spending a lot of time on facebook um and uh, you know and i asked her whether the sharing of the images of girls on this particular private chat group or whatever private group on instagram did it seem to her to be as violative and when i say seem i mean i i i was only asking only with respect to the emotional uh, you know charge sure. that something like this carries because we know that there are we know that there are legal distinctions that are made in terms of what is considered a crime that are gradations that are degrees etc so we are not even going there right i wanted to ask her as an instagram user as a digital native really just born into the digital age did the emotional charge feel the same way the violation feel the same way as uh, as if it had been say a physical violation you know and right. she said absolutely because you know the yeah. image is really like a is an extension of me uh yeah. you know in on instagram so if you're doing something to my image you're doing it to me thank you actually that's what i want, would love to talk about so you know we've thought of various like there have been so many uh, sort of axioms to capture different ages right like i mm. think therefore i am etc right. i think if we have to think about the digital age it's really i 
image, therefore I am. I photograph, therefore I am. And so what has happened is in the era of I photograph, therefore I am, the meaning of the image has changed, right? right. In a past era where we had to actually go to a camera to take a photograph, the photograph was actually like a static docu documentary record of a past moment that we would enjoy sometime later as a memory kind of thing, etc. Right. Now what's happened is the photograph has become sort of like a ongoing mode of immediate unending communication, right? Right, right? Which allows us in a sense to perform versions of ourselves for sort of many different publics. These images and our offline selves, Bishaka said, weave in and out of each other. So it's not incorrect to say that we must seek consent for any kind of online interaction with a person as we would with any kind of interaction with a person offline. But we don't necessarily do this. The ease with which we can access a person's information, you know, comment on it or interact with them in online spaces, mistakenly leads us to assume that other people's information is not protected by the same etiquettes and norms that govern the offline world. There is a gap in our understanding and a whole lot of us are falling through this crack. The other element to this chat group issue is the need to draw a distinction, and a very important distinction, between sexism and expressions of sexuality. Many may say that the conversations that took place in the private group were just fantasies. So what's the big deal? We turn to Jaya Sharma, who is an author of a book on fantasies and politics and who has been on our show before as a guest, to help us price this open a bit. So usually I uh, am completely in uh, a position where I am defending uh, fantasies, you know, come uh, what may. Uh, but in this context, I think that because the fantasies involved real people, girls who were studying in that same school, for example, I think that does uh, change uh, the, the situation. Uh, at the same time, I do want to uh, say very strongly that the problem is not fantasy per se. And I'm saying this uh, uh, as a queer feminist, as somebody who's part of also a, se a sexual subculture, an erotic subculture, where, uh, you know, the fantasy could be about anything under the sun. The erotic subculture that Jaya is referring to is the bondage-domination sadomasochism subculture. And she has spoken to us about this in a previous episode. She is drawing a distinction, and this is a very important point. She's drawing a distinction between the conversations and the sharing of images or text or words that takes place in uh, in the online or offline spaces of that subculture and the sharing of words and images that took place in the Locker Room Boys Instagram group chat. The difference hinges on the pivotal issue of consent. So the erotic subculture uh, a community that I'm part of Maybe the fantasies that are being shared there, the images that are being shared there are way more 
sexual than what we are talking about here but it is a completely different thing because there it is utterly consensual what people are saying what images are being exchanged uh, uh is uh, is completely uh, consensual and that changes uh, the picture uh, entirely i also think that this uh, distinction is important to make that the problem is not the fantasy part of it the the problem is consent this distinction is very important to make because i think as a feminist uh, i feel that uh, often there is a confusion between what do we consider to be sexual and what do we consider to be sexist right now this uh, uh, often gets mixed up uh, and it's very very important to separate out the two and it's only when we are able to separate out the two that our fight against sexism will be clear and it will be Uh, strong so we need to remove the moralistic part of it because even in this discourse around uh, uh, the locker room you see how many times the word obscenity is being used so obscenity is a word that comes up again and again uh, in this case and uh, that is a word that we as feminists have been fighting against it's a word that we've inherited from the british it's there in archaic laws it's also part of uh, a language that talks in terms of outraging the modesty of women and if we say that we are against slut shaming we are certainly against uh, the term obscenity so there needs to be a clarity that is it that we are uh, uncomfortable about the sexual part of it or the sexist uh, part of it and i think that uh, if we are honest and if we look within ourselves and if we make room for the unconscious and the psyche part of it mm-hmm. that we can see that actually sometimes our desires are very difficult uh, to uh, accept mm-hmm. and that discomfort uh, can actually make us uh, uh, you know uh, 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 that discomfort can make us um, focus more on the sexual part of it rather than the sexist uh, part of it right right so so i think that distinction is very important to make here because if we don't make that distinction then our discomfort and our distress about the sexualness of it will uh, make us even more angry right. and will want us to punish even more vehemently and we know that criminalizing is not the answer putting uh, boys or uh, 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 young men uh, behind bars is not the answer educating people about consent is the only answer right you know i think that uh, uh, this idea that the distinction between sexualness and sexism uh, is intricately connected to whether or not we are conversing in a context of consent or not i think that is a very important point that you make um when you say that you know there are conversations that can happen Uh, where images are shared where there are sex where the language is of a sexual nature and yet we will not consider it sexist it is because this conversation is happening in a, a in a in a context of mutual consent between consenting adults right i completely agree with you i mean that is so well put dhamini so i think that when you bring in consent uh, into the picture it can help us then separate out the sexual uh uh from the sex from the sexist i i also want to uh, uh add a little bit to what you were saying and i think it's a very important point that you've made about our discomfort with sexuality per se and i think 
do you feel that this has also kind of been exacerbated by the fact that a lot of these people who were part of the boys locker room were actually adolescents you know older adolescents and young adults and in any case there is such a discomfort when it comes to the sexuality of this particular age group right for example laws have been made regarding this etc um do you feel that our 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 response to it is also in some ways inflected by that discomfort towards adolescent sexuality and young adult sexuality i definitely uh, think so because i feel that uh, sometimes when we uh, see young adults or adolescents expressing certain desires i think it might also be triggering discomfort in us as adults about our own desires there is of course that there is of course are wanting to control them and to make them follow norms of society whatever norms they are you know mm-hmm. unjust or just uh, but i think that also we feel very uncomfortable when when young people are uh, quite open and uh, you know about their own desires it it uh, it can uh, cause distress to us because we as adults we ourselves have grappled with many of our own uh desires and desires as we know don't follow the rules uh, so uh, easily right. see whether i act upon a desire or not that i can control right but uh, uh what my uh, desire is is it's not so easy to uh, to control so whether i'm an I, I, whether i am an adult whether i am a feminist i could well have desires that uh, uh that uh, trouble me and in fact i think particularly important because we are not just talking about desires of young boys and young adults over here actually for me what is of most significance is the desires of the young women you know the women who have shared their images on instagram the women who are creating their own understanding of their own bodies and their own selves and in fact one of the big uh, ramifications of this has been a lot of women young women have said is that their parents have asked them to remove their photographs from instagram to not you know sort of to make their profiles quote and quote private again and i think that the ramification of our discomfort towards young adolescent and young adult sexuality actually the biggest i feel the biggest um, loser in that sort of uh, discomfort is the young woman the exactly. young adult woman exactly and i think that if we are talking about uh, uh, an attitude that is uh, positive towards uh, sexuality uh it's really uh, important to recognize this and i say this uh, as a woman and i uh, say this as a woman who is 56 years old so it's actually not just the 16 year old uh, woman and you know uh, does she have the right to share mm-hmm. sexy images of herself i mean i'm saying this as a 56 year old woman it's a right that i have it's a right that i've exercised it's something that i've enjoyed doing and uh, touch wood i've done it in a context and in a community which has a very strong consent culture and i felt completely safe to do it i also spoke to fariha iftikhar who is the senior correspondent uh, who reports on education and has also reported on the boys locker room story she met several schools parents uh, teachers um, you know students and uh, spoke to a whole bunch of them and according to her pretty much everyone is quite shook up let's hear what she has to say so i've been speaking to students parents and uh, school officials ever since this incident has come to light 
there is a lot of fear and anger among girls with many of them have said that they are scared about their safety and their privacy on social media many girls have also told that their parents have asked them to quit social networking sites uh, specifically where they share their pictures but also there is this debate among girls that this is the high time that all the schools should introduce a formal curriculum on sex education and consent so that uh, the students can be taught how to draw a line between their desires and their entitlement and how to uh, develop empathy towards any other individual and so that their classmates do not fall in such traps out of curiosity also among parents there is uh, fear about the safety of their children parents are demanding strict action in this incident so that a right precedent can be set yeah many schools have promptly acted after this incident with uh, some of them have sent out emails and messages to parents asking them to monitor the online activities of their uh, kids at home since they are spending a lot of time on their devices uh, due to the lockdown schools have also asked parents to discuss and have a dialogue with the kids about the incident and also tell them the about the repercussions uh, of indulging in any such activity uh, many schools have also decided to hold webinar and to conduct online counseling session on cyber security cyber safety and on how to protect yourself on social media so schools have uh, schools are taking uh, such measures and some of them are saying that they will uh hold one on one counseling uh once they resume the normal uh, classes uh, post lockdown jaya points out that while it may well be our impulse to criminalize sexual expressions in a bid to ensure that such incidents do not happen again it won't make much of a difference because the underlying issue is that adolescents and young adults have no access to a culture of consent what they do have access to is a culture of entitlement it is time for schools to introduce gender and sexuality education in the curriculum as some school girls have begun to talk about according to fariha punishing someone for entitlement while satisfying is hardly enough it is time to develop the culture of consent if you have any questions do reach out to me at the red damini on twitter You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.